Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you're not subscribed to our podcast, I encourage you to do so. Using your favorite podcast software, whether it's Good Pods, Spotify, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast, and this week I'm highlighting The War at thewar.greatdetectives.net. It's the World War II podcast series that I did in 2013 and 2014, where we take a long look through World War II, through news programs, dramas, comedies, and music. And if you're looking for Christmas programs, there are some great ones to check out. We did a long series of Christmas programs during World War II. You can take a listen to the whole series at thewar.greatdetectives.net and you can check out all of our other podcasts at the Great Detectives of Old Time uh, radio website at greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for us to get into Sarah's Private Caper. And it was a mystery comedy series starring Sarah Berner and inspired by Sam Spade in some ways, as we'll hear at the start. This is the first episode of the series, uh, original air date, June 15th, 1950. And this one is Sarah's Sonnets of Fuyin Caper. Wheaties presents Sarah Berner in Sarah's Private Caper. On stage tonight from Hollywood, another on the Wheaties' big parade of exciting half-hour presentations. Tonight, the premiere performance starring Sarah Berner in Sarah's Private Caper. Say that because that's the way you were raised. Come here, sweetheart. Oh. Come on, get over here. Oh. Oh, Sam. When you saw the taper like that, I could just pull through that radio and eat you up. What are you seeing that at the anyway? When there's me, every quivering, melting ounce of me. Let's see, how did Effie say that? Sam. Turn that off, Miss Burner. Our lieutenant... Miss Burner, you're just a stenographer in this police station. So why must you use the police radio to listen to Sam Spade? Can I help it? I've got a crush on crime. <laughs> Did you take up that report I gave you? Yes, Lieutenant, here it is, but I don't believe it. And what don't you believe? And Mr. Owen calls up and says a book with the title, The Sonnets of Fugian, is stolen. Twenty minutes later, the same Mr. Owen calls up and says it isn't stolen. 
So what? Obviously, there is something fishy going on with these sonnets of food, Yen. Look, Miss Burner, all you've got to do is type reports, answer the telephone, and sharpen pencils. Leave the sonnets of food, Yen, to my detectives. I would gladly do that, Lieutenant. Except you, detectives, never remember to put all the desired information into their report. Meaning mm, what? This report, for instance, all it says is Mr. Owen. Doesn't say who he is, what he does, or where he lives. Mr. Owens happens to be a respectable citizen, owner of a swank night spot on the Sunset Strip. He lives in an apartment upstairs over the club. You may answer that information in the report, and then the case is closed. Understand? The case is closed. Closed, huh? I wonder if Mr. Owen might meet a very talented girl here in his nightclub. I think I will call on Mr. Owen this evening and make this my own private paper. Folks, if you're going to get up in the morning, then get up and get your Wheaties. It's a wonderful morning when you've had your Wheaties. They're crisp, you know, flaky little flakes of whole wheat, fairly crackling with the very vitamins and minerals you need for a wonderful morning. Whether you're going to work or doing the dishes or just plain living, first you need your Wheaties. Sure, whatever your job, you can do it better with Wheaties to help. Start breakfast with milk and Wheaties and fruit and feel the good difference all morning long. Will you do that? It's a wonderful morning when you've had your Wheaties. Sarah has taken off on one of her completely unauthorized private papers and is on her way to the apartment of Mr. Owen, owner of a swank Hollywood nightclub. We look in on Mr. Owen. Mr. Owen, you're hurting me. You stupid crumb. You stupid knucklehead. How can anybody be as stupid as you? You don't deserve to live. Please don't hit me anymore. Just once more so you get the message. <laughs> you get the message, Hastings? Yes, I feel you tapping it out. <laughs> I've been your butler for a long time. The Sonnets of Fu Yen, Hastings. Why did you pick that particular book to steal from me? No particular reason, sir. It was the nearest one to hand. Hey, oh. Well, how much did you get for it? I sold it to her damn the auctioneer for $50, sir. Fifty dollars. That book is worth half a million to anyone who knows its secrets. But, sir, I have to have fifty dollars to take out a governess I met. Fifty dollars just to take out a governess? That was her bail, sir. <laughs> now, how am I going to get the book back and make it look legitimate? Very simple, sir. The book will be on auction tomorrow. All you have to do is to go there and bid on it. Simple, is it? Oh. <laughs> you get more stupid all the time, Hastings. What makes you so stupid? I guess it's the way you keep hitting me on the head, sir. <laughs> Anybody who bids on that book is liable to be washed up on the beach. Oh, well, in that case, sir, I suggest you hire an agent to bid on it. Where would I find an idle brain to do that? Some idiot. Someone stupid enough. Yes. Open the door, Hastings. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Owen. Hi, everybody. Am I late? What do you want here, baby? Gee, what an elegant apartment. Louis the 14th chair. Louis the 15th table. And look, Louis the 16-inch television set. <laughs> You've 
had the tour, baby. There's the door. You uh, are Mr. Owens, aren't you? Yes. My agent said you were looking for a girl singer for your nightclub. And my name is uh, Andrews. Oh, did you sing with the Andrews sisters? Uh, no, I've been with the King's men. <laughs> well, uh, I'd, I'd like to hear you sing, but some other time, maybe. Oh, well, huh? look, I brought my guitar with me. Yeah, I, I know. I happened to have brought it along. Uh, and for my first number, I'd like to sing. Uh, <clears throat> I, can, I can see, no matter how near you'll be. Frankly, I wouldn't like to take you away from the king's men. Why? Well, I have a feeling they need you. Well, thanks for listening anyway. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Since you're here, I... I wouldn't want you to leave too disappointed. Maybe I can make you really glad you came. Try something, Buster, and I'll break your arms one by one. What? Do I know what I'm saying? Come here, baby. Uh, what are you going to do to me? Please? Not so close, baby. You're fogging my glasses. Now, really, all I want you to do is go to a book auction in the morning and bid on a book for me. A book called The Sonnets of Fu Yen. Oh, then it was stolen. Wait a minute. Who said anything about it being stolen? Well, I just read it in the paper that a lot of books are being stolen. The headline this morning said, Bookie Snatched My Mouth. <laughs> Bookie? Yeah. Must have been an Itsy Bitsy book. <laughs> well, you'll do, baby. Now, look, here's the pick. I'm going to give you a blank check. All you have to do is go down to her Dan's book auction tomorrow morning and bid on The Sonnets of Fu Yen. Bring it back to me, and I'll give you 500 bucks. Bid as high as you have to, but get it. Is it a deal? So, right out the check already. Melvin, I know how important you are to the United Tea Company market, but as my boyfriend and fiancé, you've got to take the morning off and drive me to the book auction. Uh, look, Sarah, Mr. Sack, the manager, says I have to, to stack these bottles of ketchup into a five-foot pyramid. <laughs> Someday, Sarah, I'm going to be assistant manager of this market, and, and then we'll get married, and, and you won't go gadding about on these wild schemes. We'll be together. Nice. <laughs> Well, we do stack ketchup bottles. If you haven't tried it, don't mark it. What's going on back here? What are you doing, Melvin? Oh, Mr. Sack. Those ketchup bottles aren't stacked You've got a four-foot pyramid and I want a five-foot pyramid. This is not a corner grocery store, boy. This is the United Market. The United Market, boy. Hello, Mr. Sack. Oh, no. No, no. God, don't touch your bottles with your life, boy. Melvin wants the morning off, Mr. Sack. Are you going to give it to him? You can't do that again. You can't. You won't. You won't. Oh, no. 
time we've ever been in the red. <laughs> Get out of here. Move when you're fired. And never come back here. I banish you and your apron from this pocket forever. Oh, Mr. Scott, please reconsider. Now, then, you got the morning off. Let's go to the book auction. <laughs> Edition of the Sonata Puyen, your bid, ladies and gentlemen. I give $1,500. $1,500 is bid by Mr. Roderick Temple. $1,700. All right, babe. No more bids. It's going to get back since you just lost your voice. Uh, did I hear someone say $1,700? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I must have been mistaken. <laughs> Who is it? Uh, Mr. Gordy Jacobson, uh, do you care to up the bid? Well, Mr. Temple wants something that bad, I don't fool around with it, see? Tell Mr. Temple a book. Of course. The son of Fouillen is sold to Mr. Temple for $1,500. Hey, hey, Sarah, uh, Mr. Temple got the book you wanted. Well, why didn't you stop bidding? Well, it was my own idea to do it this way, Melvin. Now we can follow this Temple guy and bid on the book in private. There was please already seen me here at the auction. You recognize me. Oh, he'd recognize me if I showed up this way. The art of being a great detective is disguised, Melvin. Disguise. Well, how are you going to disguise yourself? Well, you see this bandana around my neck? Yeah. See these glasses? Yeah. See this big comb for my hair? Yeah. Well, I'll switch my hair around like this. Yeah. So, so what? So, from now on, I'm an Italian accountant in search of rare books. Understand? <laughs> Come on, kid. We got no time at the way. <laughs> oh, Sarah, Sarah, you're so clever. Why do you fight it? <laughs> Come on, boys, <laughs> You got lots of rare books here, huh? Yes, yes, of course, ma'am. You care for old books? Well, with a rare edition like you around, who cares about all the books? <laughs> Pretty good joke, huh? Oh, let's get down to business. Excuse me, please. This is an American boy I have driving my car. And me, I'm Countess Maria Victoria Sandrina Pavlacini Rosalina. <laughs> Italian, yes? Well, I say that... Shut up! I mean, shut up the front door and I'll gonna drop the phone. <laughs> Besides, you look, there's some muscle books on the table, huh? Yes, muscle books. Oh, they muscle books. You see? Just give Melvin a muscle book and it goes right to his head. Ah, <laughs> What can I do for you, Candice? Uh, well, you see, I've got a friend who was at a certain book auction this morning. He said that you were to buy the book at auction, see? Yes. Uh, you sell it uh, to me, huh? No matter what it costs, I'm a buy, see? I uh, think that might be arranged. You wait here just a moment. Now, this, I'll have to open the safe. Ah, uh, see, see, I'm away, sir. Well, how am I talking about the world? I'm nervous now. I'm not nervous. Well, then stop biting my fingernails. Look, I can give my soapbox for going through with this thing. This way, Countess, right back here. See, 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 she's a pretty dancer back here with all these Just like you never saw before. Look at her. Look at her. Don't fight it, Countess. Just inhale the chloroform. Go to sleep, my pretty. 
Yeah, that takes care of one half of the team. Hey, look at this picture I found of Charles Atlas as a 48-pound weakling. <laughs> oh, Sarah, what are you doing lying on the floor like that? Mr. Matthew. Mr. Matthew, muscle boy. Get it? Jealous? Me? <laughs> no, sir. Then maybe you like this. Does he think the chauffeur wants to sanitize the food in, eh? <laughs> Melvin, <laughs> Melvin, wake up! Oh, oh, come on, Melvin, open your eyes! Oh my poor head! Where am I? Oh, well, let's wheel right back where I started in Mr. Owen's apartment. The man I was supposed to buy the book for in the first place. Well, you tell Mr. Owen that you quit. Uh, so I'm no part of this book buying job. I'm going to do that, Melvin, as soon as he wakes up. Oh, look, he's sitting there in the corner asleep. Uh, I'll tell him, and I'll tell him right now. Uh, Mr. Owen, there's something I want to give you. I just, Sarah, look, there's a knife in his back. That's nice. I knew we shouldn't just... Uh, oh, Melvin, I think we'd better get out of here. Hey, hey, there's a book wedged here in the chair. Yeah. It's the sonnets of Fu Yen. And the binding's missing. There's something written on the flyleaf. Well, what does it say, Melvin? Uh, listen. Yeah. <laughs> don't bother about the sonnets of Fu Yen anymore. You could get hurt. If you don't believe it, look what happened to me. Signed to George Owen. How do you like that? And after all, I've been through for him. Melvin. Yes? I wake you to the elevator. We'll return to Sarah Brenner and Sarah's private caper in just a moment. It's a wonderful morning when you've had your Wheaties. Breakfast of champions. Now look. You don't have to be a champion to eat Wheaties, not a bit of it. You can just be yourself and go right ahead enjoying these crisp, nut-tasty little flakes of whole wheat. Whatever you do, Wheaties are for you, too. But they're also breakfast of champions. Favorite of men who know that getting the right food is part of making their living. Men like Ralph Kiner, pride of the Pittsburgh Clarence. Now, this man, Kiner, depends on his energy and vitality for his reputation and his paycheck. And he says he calls for Wheaties almost every morning of the season. Figures they help give him the extra energy he needs to play a top game of ball. So, sure, whatever you do, you need energy and vitality to do it well. You may not play championship baseball for a living, but you need vitamins and minerals just like anybody else. Well, don't you? Well, then, tomorrow, get yourself a box of Wheaties. Big box. They taste so good, they won't last long. Pour them in the bowl, slice on the fruit, pour on the milk. Pick up the spoon and enjoy yourself. Wheaties, breakfast of champions. It's a wonderful morning when you've had your Wheaties. And now, back to Sarah Burner and Sarah's private caper. Sarah and her boyfriend, Melvin, having experienced a hectic session in search of the sonnets of Fu Yen, are trying to relax after a sleepless night. Melvin, I couldn't sleep all night for worrying. Look at these circles under my eyes. Uh, why don't you try oval teeth? <laughs> well, I didn't have ovals under my eyes. <laughs> hey, look 
had a bag in the newspapers, Nelson. What? Uh, witnesses have stated that at the time of the crime, two people were seen leaving the Owen apartment, a man and a woman. I'll bet they did. Those murderous villains deserve the gas chamber. Honey, baby doll, the man and the woman, that's us. Sarah, we're fugitives. Yeah, it's us. <laughs> but, but I can't be a fugitive today. The market's having a one-cent sale and they need me. <laughs> they need you like they need Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly? Watch your language, Sarah. <laughs> Come on, Melvin. We'll go to Mr. Jacobson's apartment. But, but Sarah, that fellow would certainly recognize you in a minute. Ah, uh, 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 Melvin, remember what I told you about the power of disguises. Yeah, a, a lot of good it did you with Temple. Oh, I got a better disguise. Such as? Well, I'm going to be the Duchess of Windermere from jolly old England looking for old books. <laughs> you see? Ooh. And, Melvin, we're going visiting. Wipe the egg off your face. Yeah? What are you characters for? How do you do, Mr. Jacobson? I'm the Duchess of Windermere, of the Back Bay Windermere's. In fact, the bay and back of the Back Bay Windermere's. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's far enough. And this is my stupid brother. How you do? <laughs> what do you want? Well, frankly, I've heard of your superb collection of rare books and wondered if you'd be so gracious as to permit me to look at it. Look, lady, you better grab a boat and go back where you come from. I think the Queen Mary is sailing tomorrow. The Queen Hotel? Oh, I could be delighted to travel with Her Majesty. <laughs> look, lady, look, the Queen Mary is a boat. Oh, really? I'm terribly confusing. That must be to the King. Oh, but then I guess there will always be an England, won't there? Yeah, as long as the United States can afford it. <laughs> well, look, Duchess, what do you want from me? Well, frankly, I saw you at the book auction this morning, and you were bidding on the sonnets of Fouillet. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, excuse me, Duchess. Hello, Jacobson speaking. Oh, my laundry's ready, huh? Okay, send somebody down to pick it up in exactly an hour. Yeah, can't stand to wear a shirt more than an hour. Of course. Of course. I know what you mean. <laughs> About the sonnet, Mr. Jacobson, uh, did you know Mr. George Owen? Ah, uh, sure. I know him. Why? Well, weren't you jealous of Mr. Owen because he had the sonnet in the first place? You throw bruising in my book. Get out before you get hurt. This cat says outside. Yeah, outside. Sarah, I'm glad you're finally taking my advice and going back to that bookstore. And when we see Mr. Temple, I'm, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And then after that, boy, I'll, I'll, I'll just knock him unconscious. Melvin, knock him unconscious, but do yourself a favor. Don't give him a piece of your mind. <laughs> Hey, Sarah, look. Well, well, what's the matter? The bookshop. It, it isn't there anymore. Say, what is it? No, it's a Chinese laundry. Chinese laundry? We're on the right side of the street, aren't we, Mel? Well, sure, it was right next to this lunchroom. Here. Well, look, you go in the lunchroom and get a bowl of Wheaties, huh? I'm going in the laundry and try to talk to the Chinaman and find out what it's all about, huh? I look over a jolly clover and 
I overlooked you, Miss Yes? Uh, me want to know what happened to Blookslop. All the same here belong him yesterday? Blookslop? <laughs> belong here him? Uh, what did you do with that bookshop? Palm it? What do I know about bookshops? I run a laundry, as it is written in the books of my ancestors. No ticky, no washy. Oh, you speak Chinese, too, honey. Is that laundry here? Yeah. Let me the shirt, kid. Jack Jacobson says, let me the shirt. Oh, you're from Jacobson. Why don't you say so instead of all that schmoozing around? Book slop. Here you are. Gee, thanks. I'll speak to the boss about you, kid. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Jacobson's shirts and brought them here to my room. But look, when a book lover like Jacobson calls about his shirts and a bookshop turns into a laundry overnight, there's got to be some collection. Open the bundle, Melvin. All right. Sarah! Melvin! All that money. $20 bills. Thousands of them. Oh, think with all this money we could get married and maybe in a year, who knows? Yeah. Our own little grocery store. <laughs> Catch the bottles and I can... Wait a minute. Melvin, it's counterfeit. Counterfeit? Oh, Sarah. Hide the money someplace. Melvin, I'll answer the door. Melvin, Melvin, my boy. I've been looking all over for you. Well, hello, Mr. Sack. You come back to your manager, boy. Come back to United Way, Honest, Mr. Sack. You left this now out of darkest need, boy. That one-cent tail is cracking all records. Get your apron, boy, and come with me. Melvin will come with you later, Mr. Sack. Right now, you've got to do something for us. There's a phone downstairs. Go call the tea man. Tell him to get here in a hurry. What's this other idiot talking about, Melvin? Better do what she says, Mr. Sack. Call a tea man or I won't be able to come back to work ever. Uh, very well, I'll call him. But Melvin Ingersoll, I want you back at the ketchup bottles in an hour. That's an order, boy. I've got the whole thing figured out. There were counterfeit plates to make phony $20 bills hidden in the binding of the sonnets of Fu Jin. I get it. And they killed Mr. Owen because it was Mr. Owen's book in the first place. And Melvin, the way your mind works, you'll be an assistant manager in 10 or 12 years. Well, the character will never make it, will he, Temple? He'll never make it at all. The same, either. All right, get your hands up. Well, well. The happy book lovers. Jacobson and Temple. He's got to move that money fast. Come on, you. Tell me where it is. Uh, under the bed, Mr. Temple, sir. You're so clever, Mr. Jacobson. Imagine setting up a Chinese laundry to get rid of counterfeit money. <laughs> you like it, huh? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. Real jazzy. The shame it's all ruined because there's a tea man on his way up here now. <laughs> hey, the Temple tea man. Huh? Yes, yes, I heard it. I got the money. Shall I let them have it now? Somebody sent for me. Oh, brother. Are you the tea man, mister? Yes, I'm a tea man. Oh, well, I tell you, Jacobson. All right. All right, you win. Drop the constable. We don't kill no government tea men. We saw the movie. Hey. <laughs> what is this? Which one of you wanted a tea man? I did. Well, I'm the United Tea Man. <laughs> Would you mind repeating that? Mr. Sachs, the manager of the United Market, called me and said that somebody wanted a tea man. Now, how do you want your tea? In bags or in cans? Get him, Melvin, take him. Yeah, sure, I'll get him. Let the tea man get Jacobson. I'll get this, Jim. Oh, you little, 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 Mr. Temple, I got the gun. Now, stand back. 
at all of you. No, no, not you, Melvin. You're on my side. <laughs> well, I haven't got all day, fellas. How do you want your tea? In bags or in cans? <laughs> Back in just a moment. And here's the W Man. W Man? Say, that's me, Frank Martin, Wheaties Man. You know, folks, if you'll get up to Wheaties in the morning, I think you'll feel the difference all morning long. There's energy in those little golden flakes. Slide them into the breakfast bowl, pour on the milk, put on the fruit, and see how it feels to wake up happy. <laughs> And now back to Sarah Burner as we put the period to Sarah's private caper. Uh, good morning, Sarah. Here's a new report I want you to type out. Two boxes of marshmallows were stolen from Girl Scout Group 255. <laughs> Let's see you make something out of that. Well, uh, the way I see it, Lieutenant, those marshmallows were smuggled into the country by a midget disguised as a Girl Scout. Each one of those marshmallows contains a diamond as big as your head. <gasps> That's it out of my way, Lieutenant. Where's my hat? Sarah, come back here. Sarah! Sarah Burner again. Congratulations, Sarah, on your brand new program. It's fun. Oh, thank you, Frank. It's fun to do, and I'm certainly looking forward to a summer full of Wheaties. Good, Sarah. So am I. You know about Wheaties, I take it. Whole wheat flakes, crisp, empty. Know about them. Know about them. Frank, I love Wheaties. They're practically part of the family. Fine, fine. And we're happy to have you as part of the Wheaties family, Sarah. See you next Thursday night. Sarah's private paper on the same NBC station. Oh, thank you, Frank, and... Get your Wheaties, everybody. Good night. Sarah Burner in Sarah's private paper is produced and directed by Joe Parker, with script by Morton Fine, David Friedkin, and Mr. Parker. Original music was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. Heard in tonight's cast were Bob Sweeney as Melvin, Frank Nelson as Mr. Sachs, and Gerald Moore, Anthony Barrett, Eric Snowden, Peter Lee, Jerry Hausner, Tom Holland, Jack Petruzzi, and Donald Morrison. Our thanks to Howard Duff and Lorene Tuttle for appearing transcribed with us tonight as Sam Spade and Effie through the courtesy of the Wildwood Company. And this is the Wheaties man, Frank Martin, inviting you to listen next Monday night to Frank Lovejoy and Nightbeat on the Wheaties Big Parade. See you then. Welcome back. Well, this wasn't a great episode, but I have to admit I enjoyed it, and there were some moments that I really did have a good laugh. I, I liked the idea that the boyfriend's boss called for a TEA man rather than a T-man. You would think the urgency of Sarah's voice would have provided a clue, but I think at this point he just kind of assumes that they're both a little strange, and it's like, okay, well, she seemed to be in a real hurry about it.
definitely a solid supporting cast. Uh, you know, the whole concept and many of the ways that this worked seemed a little bit rough, but I think that's to be expected of a first episode. Now, this series actually went through a lot of different names. Uh, uh, the title was uh, Sarah's uh, Private Eye, Sarah's Private Eye, uh, file Sarah's Private Crime. And this was a series that actually ran 11 weeks, and that's a lot of titles for 11 weeks. I mean, you're practically at the level of Casey Crime Photographer, which was on the air for about a decade in terms of the number of titles. Sarah Burner was a very talented character actress. She's probably best remembered for her work on the Jack Benny Show as a telephone operator Mabel Flapsaddle but did a ton of radio work. I remember back when I was doing the Men of a Thousand Voices series that someone asked if there was a woman who did a lot of voices in the same way that Paul Freese and Frank Graham did. And of course, I talked about some of the other character actresses like Virginia Gregg. But Burner may have had the most versatility of range in terms of being able to do different types of voices, although she never did a sort of uh, one-woman theater radio program. This was as close as it got. In many ways, the way this episode played out reminded me of the Mel Blanc show, where Blanc's ability to do different voices was used as a big part of the plot. Although I think this was a funnier series overall. I did enjoy this. It's the only one of the 11 episodes that we have in circulation, and I wouldn't mind if uh, more came in. I think it'd be fun to listen to. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Mick, Patreon supporter since March of 2015, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Mick. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, I do encourage you to subscribe to it with your favorite podcast software, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to rate and review it wherever you download us from. Next Tuesday, we'll be presenting Dr. Tim Detective. But join us back here tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... Mitchell, all of us here at the Surete feel we have lost an honored colleague in Monsieur Aristide Renal. Uh, what facts can you give me about Renal's murder, Inspector? Unfortunately, very few. We know only that Renal's body was discovered yesterday morning in the apartment of a man named Baylog. Baylog? Who's he? We have no idea, Mitchell. This Baylog has dropped completely out of sight. Mm. Do you have any description of him? We have managed to piece together a slight description by questioning the other tenants. Baylog is a small man, dark, with a mustache and a Van Dyke beard. He customarily wears horn-rimmed glasses and a beret. Great. That description could fit a thousand guys in Paris. True. You know... There's a little idea pecking at my brain, Murat. I should not be surprised if it were the same idea that occurred to me, Mitchell. Namely, that this mysterious Monsieur Belog might be the hired killer we seek, Lupin. Yeah. You got a key to this Belog's apartment, Commissioner? Yes, we have left everything untouched for the time being. Good. Come on. I'd like to take a look at it. 
I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.